1: Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 16th of March, 2009. For newcomers, I advise you to look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and download as many of the previous talks I've given. There's lots of audios there, hundreds of them, in fact, who are trying to give you shortcuts to understanding the big picture of that which runs our system. It's not really our system, the one we're born into. The ones that some people would say are the franchise owners. We get to see the managers. And also look into Alan what Sentinel, sentinel.eu, where you can find written transcripts of these talks. You can print them up. They're written in the various languages of Europe, and you can pass them around to your friends. Also, on Com, you can find out how to keep me going by buying the books I have for sale the discs, etc. That keeps me going, or you can donate as well. And this morning I got up. It should, should be a spring morning, really. We're into March now. And there's a, a sunny sky with this um, mush everywhere, this sprayed mush with the the trails across the sky, criss-crossing from the jet planes in a little place near Sudbury where I think two aircraft come in per day to the little airport there, and that's about it. However, it's all these aircraft spraying back and forth in your spray patterns, and everybody's wheezing. Everybody's wheezing with this chemical mush that's coming down from the skies. No one's going to talk about this. It's like the global warming fiasco. It's a mandate, and they're going to go through with it, regardless of all the evidence to the contrary, They're going to go through with it to control the world. Well, it's the same with the spraying. It's a mandate, and no one's going to touch this in mainstream media. It's a must-be, obviously. And apart from all the effects on the weather and our health, which is disastrous in itself, I'm sure it's also quieting the people, you might say, because people are somehow drugged. There's no doubt about it. They're not reacting to the situations around them, the situations which are now overwhelming in controlling their lives. There's hardly a reaction from most people in the streets. Whether it's just shock as to what's happening or whatever, who knows? Or is it the, the fact that they've been dumbed down so much with TV, trivia, inoculations, GMO food, and now they're spraying on top? We'll never get to the bottom of all of it. The people are certainly not reacting the way they should be to what's happening in their surroundings, including what's right above their heads. It's astonishing. And I I think I've mentioned before that a, a member of Parliament from Sudbury went to Ottawa and brought it up in the Parliament building for Canada uh, about the spring and, and what's going on and it was a, I think it was the Minister for Defence Department of Defence said they don't have to answer that question so it comes under national security and every country it's the same thing as national security and I guess it depends how you view what the nation is is a nation a corporation owned by a few and if, they, and if we all knew what was happening to us by the few would we be, be upset about it Security is their nation, because we don't seem to have any say in the matter whatsoever. Disgusting. And scary, as I say, hardly a reaction from the public for being blitzed every day with the clouds coming down from the sky. And we're back with more after this, these messages. Alan Watt were cutting through the matrix. I've been over in the past some of the history of when the great idea was born to deal with free trade. I've gone back into time and into the 1500s when the first openly Rosicrucian court was formed at Queen Elizabeth I's time. When most of our members around her were all members of the Rosicrucian Lodge, that was Bacon and Dee and all these characters. And how Dee came up with the idea of the British Empire, he called it, an idea based upon a system of free trade. And everyone who would come into that empire would become part of the empire. In other words, you'd you'd alter your rules and your laws and customs to suit that that England was already based upon. From that particular court, that is. And that idea, again, took off in the time of Cecil Rhodes, who came up with the idea of free trade once again. It's really the same stream down through time, but he pushed it a step forward, and he formed a private organization, which became, eventually, the Cecil Rhodes Foundation for World Government, based on the system of free trade and amalgamation which merged eventually into the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And since then, in the 20th century, we've had wars to amalgamate Europe together, and presently we're amalgamating the Americas under the guise of terrorism and safety and Fortress America, they call it. And I've done the same with Africa and the Pacific Rim region as well. That was all part of the Royal Institute's plan of international affairs, I should say, because it's a Royal Institute and a Royal Institute for International Affairs. It was RIIA's plan to bring in this world with its trading blocks and under a world government. That's the United Nations. Now, when they did the NAFTA, North American Free Trade Negotiations, it was a copy, basically, of that of Europe uh, prior to the amalgamation it said the free flow of goods and labor would cross borders. Well, you understand, someone who's traveling to get to another country doesn't have to be going as labor. They might be going to be on a visit for a holiday, to visit relatives, and so on. Well, see, all that will be done away with, and you you won't be able to eventually just move across a border to get a job, to look for a job. The corporations will have to put your name down and bring you in. That's how it will be. It'll be those who are wanted only. And that was brought out by Jack Attali's books. The actual book of itself was called Millennium, Winners and Losers in the New World Order, The Coming New World Order. That was printed about 1990. And he said the same thing. It'll be uh, those who are stuck inside their their countries will be diswallowing in poverty. And the next boat people would probably be Americans trying to get off the, the, the continent looking for work abroad and lo and behold look, all that's happened since nineteen ninety 1990, 1991 that's the con of doublespeak everybody who's been for world government at the bottom levels all these little NGOs that are all well funded and paid for think it's going to be a wonderful utopia where you can go where you please it's not to be that way at all it's they bring the populations down yeah, goods for the big international corporations will be free-flowing across borders, and those who are employees of big corporations will also be able to go across the borders, back and forth, for business purposes. Labor can be hired, but you'll be brought into a country only if those corporations need you to be brought in, and that's why, all this, under all this guise of terrorism, they're basically caging everyone in. A few weeks ago, I read on the air an article about the minister in Britain, the Minister for Environment, saying, and stating quite categorically, uh, that part of, the, of what they're doing at airports with the, the, the fees, etc., the carbon fees and all the other things that they're going through, is to dissuade people from traveling, to dissuade them from traveling. They're making it harder, more difficult, more inconvenient to try and travel, And here's the next kicker to this very topic, because it comes from the telegraph. Now, this is going to be worldwide. Whatever Britain's doing, we're doing everywhere else at the same time, under the Anglo-American rules, the special relationship that we have with this group in Britain. And this is from March 14th, 2009. All travel plans to be tracked by governments. The travel plans and personal details of every holidaymaker, business traveler, and day-tripper who leaves Britain are to be tracked by government. The Daily Telegraph can can disclose. That tells you how they cooperate with governments, too. This is an essential arm of government media. The Daily Telegraph can disclose. What can it disclose? By David Millward, transport editor. And it says here, Anyone departing the UK by land, sea, or air will have their trip recorded and stored on a database for a decade, 10 years. You know it's going to be permanent. Passengers leaving every international seaport, station, or airport will have to supply detailed personal information, as well as their travel plans. So-called booze cruisers who cross the Channel for a couple of hours to stock up on wine, beer, and cigarettes will also be subject to the rules. In other words, you're not going to bother going, that you have to fill out all these forms for a quick trip anywhere. There's a whole bunch of links to it. Then it goes on. It says, in addition, weekend sailors, that's your yachting crew, and sea fishermen will be caught by the system if they plan to travel to another country or face the possibility of criminal prosecution. The owners of light aircraft will also be brought under the system, known as e-borders, which will eventually track 250 million journeys annually. Even swimmers attempting to cross the Channel and their support teams will be subject to the rules, which will require the provision of travellers' personal information such as passports, credit card details, what are you going to spend in the middle of the water eh, when you're swimming across it, home and email addresses and exact travel plans. (laughs) The full extent of the impact of the government's e-border scheme emerged amid warnings that passengers faced Increased congestion as air, rail and ferry companies introduced some of the changes over the Easter holidays. The new checks are being introduced piecemeal by the UK Border Agency. By the end of the year, 60% of journeys made out of Britain will be affected, with 95% of people leaving the country being subjected to the plans by the end of 2010. Yachtsmen, leisure boaters, trollermen, and private pilots will be given until 2014 to comply with the program. They'll be expected to use the Internet to send their details each time they leave the country and would face a fine of up to $5,000 of $10,000 should they fail to do so. Similar penalties will be enforced on airlines, train, and ship operators if they fail to provide details of every passenger to the UK border agency. In most cases, the information will be expected to be provided 24 hours ahead of travel, and it will take you 24 hours to fill it out, and will then be stored in a government database for around 10 years. The changes are being brought in as the government tries to tighten border controls and increase protection, see, protection, you see, against the threat of, guess what, international terrorism, the biggie-boogie man. You can see how this has been used to alter, completely alter, entire way of living. I've said before that this whole idea of terrorism had to be done. It was a must-be to get the whole ball rolling towards the global New World Order system. 9-11 had to happen because they were counting on it. They'd been counting on it for years. They'd planned it years ahead. The 21st century was to be kicked off as an era of transition to an entirely new way of living. And the, 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 the academy boys, the professors, were talking about this for years, the 21st century, time for transitions, years and years before 9-11 happened. So there you go. It had to happen. It did happen on cue. And the only people who didn't know what was going to happen was George Bush and his boys, apparently. Everyone else on the planet knew it. So it went ahead as planned. Now we have the outcome. And under the guise of that, we're hit at the same time with an environment and all this global warming nonsense to add to it, to make sure that we change along this planned destination to a totally controlled world society. That's what it's all about. All about. Now it's time to cage us in the countries because remember, eventually, the United Nations is supposed to distribute the food to each country when it comes up to its full strength and power. That's what it was designed to do. And I've read the articles before from the UN when it was set up that Department for Food and Agriculture stating that that would eventually be its task. And the task would be to keep the populations under control. You'll get X amount of food according to your population. That's how those started it off. It'll be fine for a year or two. Then i say, gee over a shortage, but we'll to cut it back. You'll have to make sure there's not so many people in your country. How you do it is your own affair. That's how it's going to play out, you mark my words. And every couple of years it'll do the same. There'll be less and less food. And new laws come into your own country. Break right down to mandatory mandatory abortions for some. And mandatory sterilization will be another part of it too. And then they'll get the little greenies at school and totally indoctrinated to be, they volunteer to be sterilized, to save the world and save Mother Earth. This is not science fiction. This is the plan. You wait and see. This will definitely, definitely happen. And another article came from The Telegraph. On the other side of it, the global warming scam idea. This is by Christopher Booker. Just nobody listens to the real climate change experts. The minds of world leaders are firmly shut to anything but the fantasies of scaremongers, says Christopher Booker. Now read this article when I come back from these messages. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the Matrix. Reading an article by Christopher Booker from The Telegraph on the the global warming scam. And he says here, this was was, uh, on the 14th of March, 2009. He says, considering how the fear of global warming is inspiring the world's politicians to put forward the most costly and economically damaging package of measures ever imposed on mankind it's true, ever imposed on mankind. The most damaging package of measures ever imposed on mankind, that's a truth. It is obviously important that we can trust the basis on which all this is being proposed. Last week, two international conferences addressed this issue, and the contrast between them could not have been starker. The first in Copenhagen, billed as an emergency summit on climate change, attracting acres of worldwide media coverage was explicitly designed to stoke up fear of global warming to an unprecedented pitch. And one of the organizers put it, this is not a regular scientific conference, this is a deliberate attempt to influence policy. Well, that's exactly what it was. And who funds all this? eh? We guess. So the big boys again, the big foundation boys that own the United Nations. And it says here, what worries them are all the signs that when the world's politicians' coverage on Copenhagen in December to discuss a successor to the Kyoto Protocol under the guidance of the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, there will be so much disagreement that they may not get the much more drastic measures to cut carbon emissions than the alarmists are calling for. So in other words, they've got to hype it up really, really big you know, to, to get all their funding, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Thus, the name of the game last week, as we see from a sample of quotations, was to win headlines by claiming that everything is far worse than previously supposed. So the first supposition is far worse, but all the supposing supposing is worse than supposing. Sea levels rising by 2100 could be much greater than the 59 centimetres predicted by the last IPCC report. I've been hearing about this my whole life. I can remember... When I was about 15, they said it was going to. Raise. By now, uh, most of the islands in the Caribbean should be under three feet of water. Same group, same group were hollering about that then. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. It says global warming could kill off 85% of the Amazon rainforest, much more than previously predicted or guessed at. I would add, the ice caps in Greenland and, and Antarctica are melting much faster than predicted. The number of people dying from heat could be twice as many as previously predicted or guessed at. None of the government-funded scientists making these claims were particularly distinguished. In other words, we're all third-raters, but they're yes-men who get paid well for being yes-men. But they succeeded in their object as the media cheerfully recycled all this wild scaremongering without bothering to check the scientific facts. What a striking contrast this was to the second conference which I attended with 700 others in New York, organized by the Heartland Institute under the title Global Warming. Was it ever really a crisis? In Britain, this received no courage at all, apart from a sneering mention by the Guardian. Although it was addressed by dozens of expert scientists, not a few of world rank, who for professional standing put those in Copenhagen in the shade led off with stirring speeches from the Czech President Václav Klaus, acting head of the European Union, and Professor Richard Lindzen of MIT, perhaps the most distinguished climatologist in the world, the message of this gathering was that the scare over global warming has been deliberately stoked up for political reasons and has long since parted company with proper scientific evidence. Well, we all know that. Those who listen to this show are aware of that. Nothing has more acutely demonstrated this than the reliance of the IPCC on computer models to predict what is exactly going to happen to global temperatures over the next 100 years. On these predictions that temperatures are likely to rise by up to 5.3 centigrade, all their other predictions and recommendations depend. Yet nearly 10 years into the 21st century, it is already painfully clear that the computer forecasts are going hopelessly astray. They're useless. All these computer... You know, it's no different in the old days when, uh, in the royal courts, kings and queens were surrounded by astrologers and fortune tellers, who would advise them when to attack the country next door or across the water. And they, they mumbled their mumbo jumbo, their own little scientific nonsense, because they all had their own little language, you see, for their own particular political reasons, mainly to keep their heads on and to get rich. Around the king or the queen. It's the same thing here. Here they just build computers to try and give them the answers they're looking for, that they want. They want to hear. Anyone can do that. You can build a, a computer to give you whatever you want to hear. It says here, far from rising with CO2 as the models are programmed to predict, it should. The satellite measured temperature curve has flattened out and then dropped. It's getting cooler. If the present trends were to continue, the world in 2100 would not, in fact, be hotter, but in 1.1 centigrade cooler than the 1979 to 1998 average. Now, we all know this because what has been true with one of the most severe winters we've had for years, regardless of all their hyper-global warming. It says, yet it is on this fundamental inability of the computer models to predict what has already happened that all else hangs. For two days in New York, we heard distinguished experts such as Professor Sunichi Akasofu, former director of the International Arctic Research Center, Dr. Willie Soon of the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics, and Professor Paul Reiter of the Pasteur Institute. Authoritatively and often wittingly tear apart one piece of the scare orthodoxy after another. I'll be back with more after this break. You're
2: listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network, because you can handle
0: the truth.
1: Hi folks, I am Alan Watt, we're cutting through the matrix, reading an article from the Telegraph which debunks the whole global warming crisis that's been all over the media, especially since the latest meeting of the IPCC and this man goes on to say this report goes on to say here he says sea levels are not shooting up but only continuing their modest 3mm a year rise over the past 200 years the vast Antarctic ice sheet is not melting except in one tiny corner the Antarctic Peninsula, tropical hurricane activity, far from increasing is at its lowest level for 30 years The best correlation for temperature fluctuations is not CO2, but the magnetic activity of the sun. And it says for an admirable summary of proceedings by the Australian paleoclimatologist Professor Bob Carter, Google Heartland and Quadrant. Yet the terrifying thing, as President Klaus observed in his magisterial opening address, is that there is no dialogue on these issues. When recently at the World Economic Forum in Davos he found the minds of his fellow world leaders firmly shut to anything but the fantasies of the scaremongers. Well, you see, you'd ask why, how come they're all on board with this? Hmm? And they are, they're all on board, they've all been godsend and told what their orders are. Is, as I said my own modest contribution to the conference, there seems little doubt that global warming is leading the world towards an unprecedented catastrophe, but it's not the technicolor apocalypse promised by the likes of Al Gore, the real disaster hanging over his lies, and all those astronomically costly measures proposed by politicians to meet a crisis which in reality never existed. And that's true, but it's for a purpose, is to control our behavior, our purchasing, what we buy, how we live, Right down to how many children, if any, you'll be allowed to have. It's a must-be. It's a must-be. And you look at the big eugenicists at the top, the ones who have the foundations that fund all these NGOs, who fund all the scaremongers. And you'll find this is an old agenda, very old agenda. How do you get the public to capitulate and give up all the rights and privileges? You do it through terrorism and the threat that man himself is going to destroy the planet man is at war with the planet those two things and it's happening right now and they wrote about it in their big think tanks like the club of Rome and published it in their own books now it's happening and you see all these prostitutes called politicians who climbed on board because they smell which way the wind is blowing and they want to have it blow in their favour along with this, this scam. The world is at war and the war is on the public, the entire public of the planet. And out of it you'll have a totally controlled society by a group of private corporations that will own the resources of the entire planet. It's happening right now. have always been looted by the bankers, you know, the pinnacle of respectability in this system, because money is power. And they've had the right to run these Ponzi schemes over and over and over and collapse. They always give you 50 years to 100 years to build up wealth and accumulate wealth, and then they plunder you. Sometimes they'll do it twice in a century. And they have just done it again, and they have been rewarded for doing it. It's only system... Where you can be a criminal and get rewarded, truly rewarded for being a criminal. And you, you suffer no jail time for doing so. Astonishing, isn't it? When they go after little guys for failure for back taxes, and these characters can literally swindle society out of billions of dollars, and then, and then get the governments, their pals, you know, to reward them for it with the taxpayers' money. To keep the same corrupt system going. And this article here is from the New York Times. AIG planning huge bonuses after $170 billion bailouts, March 14, 2009. This is Washington. The American International Group, the AIG, Which has received more than 170 billion in taxpayer bailout money from the Treasury and Federal Reserve plans to pay about 165 million dollars in bonuses by Sunday, that's yesterday, to executives in the same business unit that brought the company to the brink of collapse last year. Well, they brought the, the public to the brink, well, over to the brink of collapse rolled of bonuses last week stirred such deep consternation inside the Obama administration that Treasury Secretary Timothy F. Gittler, Gittner told the firm they were unacceptable and demanded they be renegotiated, a senior administration official said. But the bonuses will go forward because lawyers said the firm was contractually obligated to pay them. It must be great when you also own the legal system, isn't it? You can do what you want. Plunder, loot, be rewarded, and no one can come against you because you see your own legal system. Not that the government's really really that concerned, it was all pre arranged. This guy this guy who's complaining knows this. It says the payments to AIG's financial products unit are in addition to one hundred and twenty one million in previously scheduled bonuses for the company's senior executives and six thousand four hundred employees acting across the sprawling corporation. Mr. Gapner last week pressured AIG to cut the $9.6 million, going to the top 50 executives in half, and tie the rest to performance. Performance. They've done pretty well. Maybe that's where they're getting paid, or rewarded. The payment of so much money at a company at the heart of the financial collapse that sent the broader economy into a tailspin, almost certainly will fuel a popular backlash against the government's efforts to prop up Wall Street. I don't think the public, most of the public, don't really care much. It's too far gone. Television's still working. Since past bonuses already have prompted President Obama and Congress to impose tough rules on corporate executive compensation and firms bailed out with taxpayer money, well, it's a bit too late after they've given them the dough. AIG, nearly 80% of which is now owned by the government, <laughs> defended its bonuses. This is the government defending the government, arguing that they were promised last year before the crisis and cannot be legally con- cancelled. In a letter to Mr. Gathner, Edward M. Liddy, the government-appointed chairman of AIG, said at least some bonuses were needed to keep the most skilled executives. Really? A few millions in a bonus? They can't attract and retain the best and brightest talent to lead and staff AIG businesses. I think they've already done that. Haven't they proven they all had the best and brightest? They came up with this scam. Which are now being operated principally on behalf of American taxpayers. If employees believe their compensation is subject to continued and arbitrary adjustment by the US Treasury, he wrote Mr. Geithner on Saturday. They're so grateful, these guys. So grateful for getting bailed out. The are dictating to government This is the farce we're living through, an utter farce. And you know there's people trying to keep this system in place at the bottom level, ordinary folk. Just don't let it get any worse, don't let it get any any worse than it is. Stop it right here and let me watch the TV and my soaps or my sports or whatever it happens to be and let me live my life. That's what most folk want, just let me live and let the next generation take the brunt of hell. Until people get out of that rut and start becoming very indignant and involved, we're all going down the tubes. I can remember Bertrand Russell saying in one of his books and one of his talks as well at Berkeley, he said that people, most people, you know, would basically succumb to slavery quite happily. And the sad fact is that's true. Because you can have happy, amused, entertained slaves. With a, a modicum of personal freedom to move from here to here and, and back again. To your work and back again, or to the store and back again. Into your little box where you can be stuck in front of that TV tube. Glowing away. And everything's normal to them. It wouldn't matter what's happening. And a few pennies to spend on, on, on toys and goodies. It wouldn't matter how corrupt the system was because they've lost their ability to be indignant about anything, unless it's personally a pin sticking in their own body. There's a caller on the line. I should take him while he's still hanging on there. It's David from Georgia. Hey there, David. Uh, Hello, Alan. How are you? I'm hanging in here under these heavy sprays.
2: Um, Good, good. That's better than being dead. Um... (laughs) Anyway, I, I hope you would be interested in the biography of Maria Theresa, uh, the daughter of Marie Antoinette. Um, I, I found out some general trends and things going on in that era that are similar to ideas you bring up now. Mm-hmm. Um, one being that the elites are uh, really great perverts. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, there were some English spies that reported on uh, Louis Charles, the uh, Dolphin at the time, and they said that um, the Revolutionary Committee was sending over prostitutes to infect the Dauphin in prison, and then they could accuse Marie Antoinette of child molestation. And this is a 10-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was indeed shocking. The, the other thing that was shocking was that, um, that there was this huge uh, food shortage, famine, and, uh, during the revolution, and the warehouses were stocked full with wheat. Yeah. And the wheat was not circulating enough, so it started to rot. Mm-hmm. And there were wagon loads after wagon loads of rotten wheat being thrown into the seine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obnoxious. The other thing is, uh, these elites, they hold a grudge for a long time, centuries long. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, well, that's true. You see, they, you, mm-hmm. they, they, are, they give their speeches, and Rockefeller is a famous one for that. He always says, at the beginning of most of his speeches, you must understand your history. Mm-hmm. Now, he's talking about his own family backgrounds as well, and his, his own little class there. Because <clears> they do learn from history, and when they come close to being um, at by the public for something, they find ways that it will never happen again to them.
2: Yeah. Well, if I could finish that thought,
1: please. Um...
2: The the the, uh, the the Madame Royal, she was called the temp, the Orphan of the Temple. Yeah. The Temple was the Templar Castle. Mm-hmm. And that Templar Castle was the same castle uh, centuries ago where um, Philip the Fair had sent some uh, Knights Templar into the castle and hand them to death. Mm-hmm. So they, they imprisoned the same Capetian line that... that uh, um, uh, burned up the knights, and mm-hmm. later on they 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 took their descendants and put them in the same temple.
1: Yes. <laughs> I mean the irony of that is pretty rich well it's it's the same temple too mm-hmm. that uh lady Di died underneath because I was in top above that uh tunnel and that's small oh lord uh, <laughs> and uh the
2: the other thing is they they, they, they use, uh, they use factions. Uh, there, there, there was this man, uh, the Duc d'Orléans, um, also called, uh, Philippe Egalité. And, uh, he, he was a, a cousin to the king, and he always wanted the, the, the throne of France. So, uh, he, he, he stirred up trouble and accusations against, uh, Marie Antoinette and Louis Sixteenth. Uh, and uh, he thought that uh, when he he was the, the big uh, cheese at the committee that he could overthrow the king and he could become king instead. Mm-hmm. And what what later happened was uh, the,
1: the committee later put him under the guillotine, so they, they do eat their own. Yeah, what they do is, is they use people and they'll back them and say, well, we'll back you against this guy, and you realize you're getting used. And once you're, you've fulfilled your purpose of removing your predecessor, they remove you as well, absolutely, yeah.
2: Um, I I just, uh, the the calumnies of uh, that era, uh, just
1: astounding. Uh, Uh, Getting back to the food thing that you're talking about, too, because they dealt with the food shortage by literally taking lots of the peasants in the countryside and and killing them. Depopulation was part of the the remedy.
2: Oh, definitely. Uh, (laughs) Anyway... Uh, I, I, I thank you for, for your contributions to humanity, and, and I, I hope you can keep up with the struggle. And uh, I'll, I'll keep up with the struggle as well. Okay. And uh, you have a good night. And you too. Bye
1: bye. Bye now. Now there's, there's Mike from New York. You're there, Mike.
0: Hi Alan. Good evening. How are you doing? Uh, happy St. Patrick's Day before I forget.
1: Oh, that's right. That is, yeah. I heard that already. Today, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah you were talking about uh corruption on wall street and also in politics you know i've lost count of the number of, of, of prospective, pardon me of prospective uh, appointees to the obama administration mm-hmm. that have recused themselves due to non-payment of taxes that's right it's a huge list out now yeah yeah now to add insult to injury the guy that's running the treasury now the guy that you just referred to Mm-hmm. Timothy Geithner. Yeah. And don't forget that the IRS is under the Treasury.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He himself had a tax problem to the tune of, of twenty or 30,000. Yep. And claimed it was a problem with the uh, TurboTax program. hmm. Hence the name TurboTax Timmy now.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: But, uh, you know, the
1: audacity. Mm hmm. I mean, well, what it's showing you, too, is the uh, fact that these guys. Uh, all have something hanging over them, so they 're going to be damn good boys to their masters
0: yeah 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 you know, but it 's not as if it 's not as if that these guys are working at a minimum wage job no you know, <laughs> and they, i mean they 're not flipping hamburgers and they can't you know they can only afford like a, you know ten bucks a week to pay yeah. off the tax liability
1: mm-hmm.
0: I mean obviously, they have no intention
1: of paying it that 's right, and i 'll be written off anyway because yeah, yeah, they 're yeah. doing their their, their little job now, and they have been sure. good boys, yeah.
0: Sure, so it's, um, now, you know, for a, um, for a guy with a tax liability to be essentially <laughs> placed in charge of tax enforcement seems, yeah. you know, to my philosophy at least, a bit sort
1: of uh, contradictory. Yeah, yeah, only only if you realize that these guys are all compromised, so they'll sure, do yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah they yeah. their bosses, tell them,
0: yeah. Yeah. Okay, I just thought I'd point that out. Yeah, I mean the plot thickens.
1: Oh, oh yeah, and every guy that Obama's appointed so far is from the same old establishment. You know, so it's all the upper establishment, banking families. You
0: know. Yeah, you know, but oh, without a doubt, I mean this is this is this is this is a Wall Street cabinet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is Wall Street on uh, steroids. Exactly. I mean it's all Goldman Sachs, ex-Goldman Sachs. You mm-hmm. know, I mean it's. Uh... Yeah, uh, you know, basically the government has been, t- the, the political process has been taken over by Wall Street.
1: Yeah, a long time ago. The yeah, yeah. continuation yeah. with different front actors, different smiley faces, and yeah, so it. it's in
0: your face, you know. Yeah. I mean, so, there's no pretense now. Thanks for calling
1: them. Talk to you again. I'm Alan Watworth, Cutting Through the Matrix, and remember I'll put these links at cuttingthroughthematrix.com website after this, this I go off the air tonight, and you can look up the articles for yourself. But There's one I want to mention, and it's to do with uh, these uh, cell phone towers that are all disguised as trees and things. Uh, a main media uh, station did a, a little talk on it. They'll show you how they make these things and disguise them all as rocks and even building houses to contain them so you don't know what's inside as you give off these massive amounts of radiation to all those around them. And the people around them don't care much as long as it looks nice. A nice a nice, um, a nice camouflage tower, etc. in the shape of a tree. It's very pretty. So don't mind the radiation. So I'll leave that link up there too and you should watch this little video. But there's one colour on the line that's amber. Maybe we can just get you in. Are you there, Amber? Hello. Yes.
3: Hi. How are, How are you? you?
1: Just hanging in under the the, the the mushy skies above me that are causing everyone to wheeze.
3: Yeah. Is, is it mushy? It, I, I turned I tuned in kind of late. Were you talking about global warming earlier?
1: Yeah, the scams okay. that are going on and the counters to them from other scientists. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's pretty funny because it, it just started snowing here.
1: Ah uh, yes, like yeah.
3: It's like big fat snowflakes. Yeah, and that's like, British and Columbia, Victoria, where you it never get snows,
1: yeah. yeah. You're normally much we- uh, milder there too.
3: Yeah, but and it's March, it's- the middle of March. Yeah. <laughs> Global warming, yeah.
1: That's right. It's quite the thing, I- but <laughs> yeah.
3: Carry yeah. on. Uh, sorry, um, I was just wondering if you got the package I sent you.
1: I don't think so yet.
3: No, not yet. I
1: will have to okay. check in the-, in the mail. I have to it to the post <laughs> office, which isn't so close. I have to travel It's in the country
3: yeah oh yeah so you check it like once a week or
1: whatever yeah when I can when I can get through the snow to get to it yeah
3: <laughs> is it still snowing now
1: too? it's been on and off and now the roads have got maybe five inches of ice uh, that's the side roads and that that'll take a while maybe a whole month to melt away depending if they give us more snow or not who, who knows whether they've got lined
3: up yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um I don't really have a question well I do kind of have a question um I've been for a while I was trying to read all the books you know um about the new world order and try to know everything I could about it and and get other people to know about it but i having I was having a hard time and um I don't know I'm I'm just wondering if it's more uh, it would be more suitable to read about something more practical like uh like if we are going to be in times of crisis like shouldn't I know how to like I don't even know how to sew. Yeah. You know things like yeah. that. Yeah. You know may- maybe I should just, just get a book on sewing.
1: <laughs> uh, sewing. Um, and, like
3: it's gonna be it's gonna be more practical to to know how to like eating, make one pair I of tell you, Eating. is forever. going to be
1: a big thing. Just knowing how how to get food to eat and how to cook it.
3: Yeah, you know, most, gardening too. Yeah. yeah,
1: gardening as well because uh, hmm. it's coming down fast and the basics are what they're going after in all wars. It's food, water, etc. Shelter, clothing, and if you depend on your government rations, which will come one day, maybe not too far away, yeah. uh, you're going to be, a you, you'll be at the mercy of the government, which is exactly what they want.
3: Yeah. I know. I'm at the mercy of the government right now. I, I, I got laid off.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. That
3: clinic closed, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. so I get my little EI checks, and yes, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty sad, but yeah, I was reading this like survival handbook. Yes. And um, like learning how to survive in different climates and stuff like that. Yeah. I think. But is it like me. my job to like help wake people up too, or should I just be focusing on?
1: Focus on yourself first of all. Yeah. That's, that's the music coming to the end of the show. So from Hamish myself and to your Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.